0: The following story has been brought to you by storiestoinspire.org. Let me share with you a magnificent story. Something told over by Rabbi Pesach Krohn. Truly, to illustrate this beautiful point. There's a Rabbi Lesser in Lakewood, New Jersey. He tells over that he was traveling with Rabbi Schneer Cutler. Sadik said, and at that time, they were on an airplane flying out to Buenos Aires. They were on their way to the opening of a Yeshiva out there in Buenos Aires. And there, are the two, Rabbi Lesser and Reb Schneir Kutler Zechet Sadik Levracha, they were sitting together on the plane. And as the waitress walked by, as the stewardess walked by, Reb Shneir told her, I'd like, please. If I may have a kosher meal, I order the kosher meal. She says, "Absolutely, Rabbi." Only minutes later, she comes back with a special kosher meal wrapped up in silver foil, with the "Gelat Kosher" stamp right there on the front sticker, and she gives it to Reb Shneer. Reb Schneer smiles. He turns to Rabbi Lesser, and he says, "You know, I'm not going to eat this meal." You know that there's no way I'd eat anything on the plane. So Rabbi Lessa said, So, Reb Schneir, why then did the Rosh HaYeshiva order the meal? Why did you ask the waitress, the stewardess, to bring it to you? Reb Schneir told him, I'll tell you. I ordered that kosher meal because somebody may walk by and they may see me, a rabbi sitting with a very peculiar, different-looking style kosher meal. And it may hit them. It may bring, bring back a memory. It may joggle their mind. They may start thinking back to a grandmother, to a father, a mother, that once upon a time ate kosher. Or maybe they themselves ate kosher. And they'd stop for a minute and say, look at that. The rabbi is eating kosher. I remember when I used to eat kosher. And they'll turn to me and they'll say, Rabbi, just sitting watching you eating that kosher meal, brought back beautiful memories to me of my grandmother who only ate kosher. And Reb Shneer said, At that minute, I'm to turn around to that person and say, I'm not eating the meal, anyways. Please, you take it. You have it. And I can get a Jew. I can get a Jew to eat a kosher meal and who knows who knows it might impress them to the extent with the wonderful warm memories of the past that they may begin to eat kosher again Rabbi Lesser looked at Rev Schneer and said that's truly angelic but how realistic is that well no later than a moment after he finished speaking, an Argentinian lady came walking down the row, and she stops right in front of Reb Shneerka, and she looks at him, and she says in broken English, "Rabbi, am I correct to say that the silver foil and the stamp and the fact that that meal is different is because it's kosher, glot kosher?" And Reb Shneer smiles and says, "Ask Rabbi Lesser." And Rabbi Lester says, yes, it's a kosher. She says, I can't believe it. I haven't seen kosher food in years. Oh, I remember I had a grandmother that was so pious that when we used to go to her home, I remember two sets of dishes. I remember the kosher food. I remember the meat had to be slaughtered by a very special, pious Jewish man. Oh, Rabbi, just looking at you. With that little silver foil meal, you don't know what it's doing to me. Reb Schneer says, please, I'm not going to eat the food. Please, you have it. He gave her the kosher meal. She held it. She took it back to her seat and she ate it. Do you see what you can do with airplane food? Especially glott kosher airplane food. You thought there was no purpose in Glot Kosher Airplane. Look what Reb Schneir was able to do with one Glot Kosher Airplane meal. He was able to turn the world upside down for another Jew. He was able to take something so mundane and so lukewarm. And the peas are usually frozen. And use that. He was able to use that to turn the life of a Jew around. Magnificent. But that's a Jew. That's a Gadol. That's what we're made of. And that's who we are. I'd like to share with you they say over Reb Nachum Zecher Tzadik Racha, uh, he was a rabbi in a congregation in Queens many, many years ago. A non-religious congregation right after World War II. This Rabbi Nochem Per, his son is the more famous Rabbi Yechil Per, the Rosh HaYeshiva out in Far Rockaway. This Rabbi Nochem Per was known. He stood at six foot three He had a heart of gold. And he had such kochot and such talent that he gave his heart and soul for his congregation. Yes, they weren't religious. But he loved them, each and every one of them. What he wouldn't do for them, he would visit them at home and try to learn with them a little here and there. He'd give them their heart to be able to walk to shul on Shabbat and not to drive. What he didn't do for this congregation. He got a little bit older. Rabbi Nochum Per, Zechet Tzadik Levracha, he turned to his son and he said to him, listen my son, I'm getting older. I know it's not a conversation that anyone really likes having. But when my time comes, I know that the minhag here in Queens is that when a rabbi passes away, they have a special area in the cemetery that's just for rabbis. I don't want to be buried there. I insist, and I'm going to put it in my tzavah, that when my time comes, I insist to only be buried amongst the congregants of my shul. His son was looking at him. Dad, Abba, there's nothing that you do for them. Even in death, you want to be there with them. Why don't you take the more respectable plot? Be buried with the rabbis. That portion of the cemetery. He got very angry. He got very fervent. He said, absolutely not. I insist that you bury me with my congregants. So his son asked him, why? Why, Abba? Why? He says, I'll tell you why. I know. I know that my congregants are not really religious. I know that their children aren't really religious. And their children, a Jew in America without religion is very, very scary. They're not going to have really much to their Judaism. They're not going to be keeping Shabbat. They're not going to be keeping Yom Tov. They're not going to do the mitzvot. But one thing they'll do, no matter how irreligious they may be, they will come to the cemetery every year and they will visit their parents. When they come to the cemetery, those kids, when they come to visit their parents' grave, they're going to stumble on my grave. They're going to look at my tombstone. And they're going to remember the old rabbi that loved them. And suddenly it may joggle in their mind. Maybe something I once taught them as children. Maybe they'll remember the Simchat Torah, dancing together, everyone together with the Torah. Maybe there's something about a Shabbat that might come back to them when they look at my tombstone, the old rabbi, how he loved him and how he loved us. I want to be buried there. It might joggle them. It might move them. It might change them and send them back on the road to Hashem. I insist. I want my grave to be amongst my congregants. That's a Gadol. With a tombstone. He's looking to infuse Kiddushah to another Jew. With a tombstone. I heard recently a story that I tell you honestly, when I heard it, I was wowed. It was something that I felt is uh, truly, truly hitting this point out of the park. And this is a story about a common person. This is a story about somebody like me and you. I don't want to call you common, I'll call me common. A guy by the name of Josh Braunstein. The story took place pre cell phone era years ago when you actually had to find that dinosaur slash telephone booth to make a call when you were on the road. And here he is, Josh Bronstein, going through the battery tunnel to New York City, comes out of the tunnel, makes that first ride onto the FDR, and he gets off at one of those little side streets. <coughs> And until 9-11, no one really knew what was going on in those side streets, right? They thought it was fested with elves. Finally, they found out that people actually lived there. There was a phone booth there. And this Josh Bronstein, he had to make a call. So he pulls the car over, he goes up to the phone booth. He puts in his dime. Oh, we're talking a long time ago. And as he's dialing on a rotary phone, you know, the ones you see in museums. He looks up, and he sees on top of the phone booth, there is a planner book, a calendar, schedule, phone numbers doozy on top of the phone booth. He pulls it down. Someone obviously forgot it, their planner book. And when he opens it up, he sees there's no name, but one thing caught his eye. Because as he's fingering through the pages... He saw the names of different rabbis that lived in Brooklyn, New York. Obviously, the owner of this planner book was Jewish, but no name. So he quickly scrolled to that date to see maybe there was some sort of a meeting written down where he can kind of intercept the person, give them back their planner. And he looks through, and sure enough, one on Lexington Avenue, one on Madison Avenue. No phone numbers, no addresses, what was he going to do? Walk up and down Madison showing a phone book? Planner. Well, he figured maybe his wife can give him a hand on this. A lot of times. And you see this. Something's lost in the house. A guy could look for it for hours. His wife walks into the room. I, I don't, I, I'm still trying to work this one out. Maybe it's a sixth sense. They have a honing device that's able to bring him straight over to whatever it is that... They find it in seconds. So he says to himself, maybe she can find something in this planner that I didn't see. Kiddarka bakodesh. So that night he comes home from work and he shows her the planner. And she starts fingering through the planner and she finds, lo and behold, that on the last page of this planner it said, Mom, with a 305 phone number, ERICO. 305. It's the havens of old moms. That's Miami. So they figured they'll call whoever's mother this is. And maybe she can give him a tip on which one of her children this actual planner could belong to. So they get on the phone. His wife calls. And an old lady picks up. And the wife says, Hi, my name is Mrs. Bronstein. You know, I come from a religious family, and this gives me and my husband a tremendous opportunity to do a mitzvah. We found a planner. It has no name, but it says Mom with your number at the end. Is it possible that maybe it's one of your kids? So the old lady she says, Absolutely. It's my daughter. She works in Manhattan. She lives in Manhattan. It's definitely hers. I'll give you her number. So they chatted a little bit, and then she gave her the number. They hang up with mom, and sure enough, they call the young lady with the missing planner book. They call her up, and they say, Hi, we just got off the phone with your mother from Miami. We found your planner. And she said, Oh, thank you. You don't know without that planner. I am totally lost. That planner is my right arm. And she starts going into the whole soliloquy of what a planner means to a woman. A guy doesn't even know what a planner looks like. I have a cell phone. What do I need a planner for? It has a calendar in it. I have a Rolodex, right? Fool, A planner! It's your written secretary. She was thanking him. Thank you. She came out that night. She picked up the planner and she couldn't stop thanking him. Well... A week passes by and the next Shabbat Josh Bronstein, when he comes home Friday afternoon he sees that a florist pulls up in front of the house and he brings out (coughs) this big bouquet of flowers and he brings it into the house and they take a look at the the person who sent it and sure enough it was this lady the one from the planner and she writes there on the cart Thank you so much. I have no words. You don't know what you did for me. And this is what she writes on a letter. She writes, five years ago, I became ba'alat teshuvah, became religious, and my mother in Miami was so angry at me, she felt I was rebelling against her. As if her way of life just wasn't good enough. As if when she brought me up as a child, it wasn't educated enough of a life that I needed something more she wouldn't speak to me my mother this past Saturday night after I spoke to you later on that night my mother called me from Miami and she said to me dear I want to tell you something originally five years ago when you became religious I really thought you were going off the deep end you were crazy I did not know what you were looking for and I did not know what you were trying to accomplish. But after I got off the phone with that couple who called me so sincere, with such warmth, wanting so desperately to give you back your planner, if you're trying to be like them, then I understand. Now I finally understand what it means to become a religious Jew. I respect you for it. Matter of fact, I spent the whole week telling all my friends about that couple that called up to return your planner. She writes, I haven't spoken to my mother in five years. That was the first phone call that I've gotten my mother in five years. And she hasn't stopped calling me. She calls me every day now. As a mother and daughter should be. And we have the most warmest of catching up conversations. And it's all because of you. Because of a planner that you were looking to return. A planner. Look what it did to somebody's life. Who could have imagined? Who could have imagined? The most simple, the most mundane. Airplane food, a tombstone, a planner. But we can take it. And we can elevate it. And we can use it for unbelievable Kiddushah. We can make magic with the mundane. That's the power we have invested in each and every one of us. Let's listen to this. Told over by a mainstream AM Lebanese girl from the community who was on a city bus going to school one day when she was only about 14 years old on her way to Yeshiva Flatbush as she told me over the story. And one day, another girl from the community going to a Bet Yaakov from a little bit more of a religious family gets on that city bus. She moves to the back, sits down. A few minutes later, an old person gets on the bus and this girl this religious girl quickly she waves to the old lady gets out of her chair and tells her please take my seat now the old lady says no no dearie I can stand I don't never take your seat no I insist and they go back and forth till finally the old lady takes the seat now this other girl who was watching the scene, not so religious She said, honestly, I thought this other girl was a loser. A loser? Now you're standing. What did you accomplish? The bus is swaying, you're swaying, back and forth. Okay, wonderful. You get the Good Samaritan reward. You gave the lady a seat. Big deal. But she says, you know, then I thought about it. I thought about it for a minute. And the truth of the matter is, That's such a beautiful thing to do. She says the next time an old person got on that bus, this young girl, on her way to Yeshua Flavish, she was the first one to jump up and say, please take my seat. It meant that much to her. It meant so much to her that she went out, she asked her father, I'd like to find out a little bit more what it means to be religious. Her father said, fine, please. The next day she comes on the bus, she meets up with this girl, going to Barapak, nonetheless, a girl from our community, going to a high school in Barapak. And they start to talk. And little by little they become friends. Little by little they get to know each other. And she told her, I want to tell you, that that time when you got up and gave a seat to an old person, that old lady, you had no idea how you inspired me. You opened my eyes to a whole new meaning of what it means to be Jewish. I thought that was amazing. And I'm doing it myself. And there was a bond that began to form in friendship. And this girl became religious. I'd like to fast forward this story some years later. Some years later, my wife tells me that I have to quickly get my suit on because her brother is getting engaged. So I said, wow, now there's, there's something out of left field. We didn't even know he was going out. He says, yeah, they kept it very quiet. He's getting engaged tonight. I got my suit on. We came to the house. And sure enough, my wife comes walking in. She looks at the girl, the kala. And she gives such a shrieking yell. Now, I've been by a lot of engagements. I've seen girls yell even when they don't know the color. <laughs> right, Albert? I mean, you've got to fit in with the crowd. It's part of the entrance fee. You walk in, you yell, take off your coat, and you go have a good time that night. It's ceremonies. But didn't stop there. The yelling, the screaming. And then the Kala looks at my wife, and she gives a yell. I said, whoa. I didn't ceremony is for it to be returned. The kalah as well. And they're yelling, and they're screaming, they're hugging each other, they're crying. And my wife says, I can't believe it's you. And the other one says, I can't believe it's you. And then I walked up to my wife and said, hi, it's me. what's going on can you tell us a little bit of what's going on and she says you don't understand I used to go to school every day with this girl and then the Kalap pipes in and says not only did we go to school every day on that same city bus on the b68 going down Coney Island Avenue but I watched her get up for an old person that inspired me to get up and to look into what it means to be a religious Jew I'm religious today because of your wife. And I'm now marrying her brother. Unbelievable. A simple act. So simple, so common. Day to day activity of the mundane. The infusement of Kiddushah in an umpteenth level. This is what Ramoshe Feinstein meant when he said that every Jew, every Jew, We ask Hashem every day in our Tefillah, Avinu, Avarachman, Ami Rachem, Rachemna Aleinu, Benu, Bina, lahavin, Lahaski, Lishmoa, Lil Mod, Ulilamed. Hashem, help me learn and help me teach. (coughs) Says Ramosha, I understand. We ask Hashem to help us grow, to help us learn, Lil Mod, Ulilamed. Hashem, help me teach. Not everybody is cut out to be a teacher. There are some people that are born with a natural talent to teach. We find them in our wonderful seminaries. I almost said cemeteries. Seminaries. In our schools, in our education system. But not everybody is a teacher. So why every single person, every single day, asks Hashem, to teach Says says Reh Moshe Feinstein, that's a terrible misconception. Every Jew is a teacher. Every Jew. Every Jew is a teacher. When you go into that office, you're teaching what it means for a Jew to be honest in business. To everybody who's watching. When you walk down the street, you're teaching everyone who takes a look in your direction, what it means for a Jew to carry themselves with Ut in the street, with dignity, with class. When we open our mouths, the language that comes out is teaching the world that there's still some purity left in a nation called Am Yisrael. Every Jew is a teacher. That's our role. We're meant to be the light onto the nations, the light onto the wor- <clears throat> the world. That's what we're here for. We're all teachers, each and every one of us. So when we go out tonight, we have to ask ourselves: Did we? Can we find our simple and mundane areas that we can elevate, so that when people look at us, they're going to say? There's a person that the Shekhinah steps every step together with them. They've elevated every aspect about them. That's a godly person. We should ask ourselves, what areas can I elevate in the simplest and infused in the most magnificent of ways, so that when people look at me, they say, that's what Hashem meant when He created man, when He created woman. What areas can we tackle on the most simplest of the levels that we can take from the mundane and make magic out of it and make kedusha out of it, avodat Hashem? That's the blessing, and that's the blessing we're going to walk out with tonight. The blessing of Moshe Rabbeinu, Yehiratzon, She'tishre, shechina Vima'ase Yadenu. That the Shekhinah should be found in every step of our lives. Everything we do. From the simplest to most mundane to use it for Avodat Hashem to use it to turn up to Bore'a Olam the magic we can do as a Jew. Only we can do. The place, the light onto the world that we were meant to be. And with that, with that every step won't be our own. It'll be together with the Shekhinah. They'll be able to see it on us. The Shekhinah on a person. That's the gadlut. That's the true greatness of a Jewish person. We should be zochet to that biracha. Ratzong, from the heart. She tishre Shekhinah b'maseh yadenu Amen. Enjoyed this story? Come again. Bring a friend.